0: What's going on guys? Welcome back to the show today. I have with me Amber from biceps after babies. Amber is a wife and mom of four. She's the owner of biceps after babies, which is also her Instagram handle. She is the host of the podcast biceps after babies radio and creator of macros 101, where she helps women build an effective and enjoyable fitness program for themselves. We talk about two things today. The first thing we talk about is Amber's journey through fitness. She's done it all. She came from group fitness and bodybuilding and powerlifting, and now is quite into CrossFit. So we talk about how that's affected her as a coach and as a person who identifies with their fitness. The second thing we talk about is how important it is to have a supportive environment or how to cultivate a supportive supportive environment when it comes to, you know, the people really close to you, your family, your spouse, your children, your friends, right? What is your family support and environment like? And, you know, how can we... As coaches, help clients who might not be in a scenario where they're feeling very supportive. Like, what do we do as coaches to help that? What sort of advice might we we have for clients in that scenario? And exactly how important is that? So, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Enough of the intro. Let's get into it. Amber, how's it going? Thanks for coming on. How are you?
1: I am very excited to have this conversation. I think we're gonna make a, make a good duo today. Today,
0: That's gonna be fun. You know, I, I have uh, a lot of the people that I, that I have on here, I, I've vetted them for a long time, or I've known them, or I've interacted with them for a while. It's like, you come highly recommended. We don't know each other too well, which I'm excited to, to rectify that today. But um, first question I have is how you pronounce your last name.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So it's Breeze Aki, like a breeze breeze a key
0: the real good no one
1: ever gets it right so if, so if you get it wrong, it's uh it's german so my husband's nationality is from germany they when his family came over the u used to have be an umlaut with the two like yep. dots over it mm-hmm. and then um so it was pronounced a little differently and then it got americanized and they kept the u and they added an e and now nobody can pronounce my name so <laughs> nice so how, how it goes cool yeah
0: all right so my, whatever my family are from holland so we're dutch so german dutch like if it's similar, yeah. like I saw it and I was like, is, that, is she German? Like, is there like a, okay, yeah, yes. so that makes sense. Awesome. You're not yeah. German, your husband's German.
1: My husband, yep. Yeah. Cool.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So before we get started, I always like to start, because for just for everybody listening, a little bit of like why I wanted to have you on. I think that there's an infinite amount of people that you can have on your podcast, so why you, and I feel like even though there's, there's so, first of all, your content is fantastic. So I think that goes without staying. It's like, okay, I'm not having somebody on here who doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. So you, you absolutely know what you're talking about, but it also, it also feels a really nice combination of relatable, but also aspirational. Like you're badass. Like you do crush it with a lot of the stuff that you do personally, but it also feels very relatable. Like you, there's something about like that firsthand experience of like being a wife and a mom and running a business and being, and then having all those balls juggling in the air at the same time. And there's something about that combined with the fact that you actually know what the hell you're talking about that I just, I feel like that needs a bigger voice. So I really respect what you do. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah, well, I I really appreciate you saying that, you know, as somebody who obviously knows their crap, like that, you know, that means a lot to like recognize that in somebody else. So thank you. Cool.
0: Awesome. So why don't you give everybody listening a little bit of a backstory, how you got into fitness? We're going to talk a little bit more in depth after the intro, just about some of your more like more fitness related pursuits, but give us a little bit of a backstory.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I think Jordan, I think it's really awesome that you like the introduction that you just gave and what you recognize in me is exactly what I've built my brand on and and what I hope people feel when they when they get, you know, get to know me and when they come across my brand on the internet. Um, I started biceps after babies uh, five years ago, and it was with that very thing in mind. It was this idea that I saw, that so many women felt like their fittest days were behind them after they had their kids right it was like i'm not in my 20s anymore i've had four children um i could never i could never do that i could never lift that weight i could never be that size again i could never you know do whatever physical achievement it is that you want to have and i heard people like saying that and at, and at, as a woman who had, had four kids who was in my 30s who wasn't you know a young spry chicken anymore um i wanted to show that like your fittest days were not behind you, that moms could be fit as well, that, you know, we can, you you can have your, I am fitter now here at 37 than I ever was in my 20s, post-FAR children, you know, post all of my life experience. And so that was really where Biceps After Babies came from was this idea that you can get biceps after babies or abs after babies or start a business after babies or whatever it is after babies that like being a mom is an amazing part of my life, but it's not the only part of my life. And so that's really where the, the idea of biceps after babies came from is just showcasing, Hey, you can like, you can not, you know, not necessarily do it all because I don't like that idea of feeling like you have to give a hundred percent to everything in your life, but that if there are goals and, and things that you want to achieve, um, being a mom can be a beautiful part of that, but it doesn't have to be the only thing that is a part of who you are.
0: Yeah. I, that, I, I love that. And I, I'd, I'd imagine that that's where that came from, um, which is a good, a good segue into the first topic of it seems like you've done it all. We had to talk of quickly, briefly offline about like your your background in fitness, like from group fitness. I remember a post you made about you were uh, talking about uh, show me your tell me you're frugal without without uh, telling me you're frugal. And you were like yeah. the first video was like you teaching a group fitness class, and then it was like yeah. later it was like powerlifting and bodybuilding and CrossFit. And I just feel like you know you've kind of done a lot of things. Like where yeah. along the road did those things teach you certain things? How come how come you have done so many things? What led you from doing one thing to another thing, and maybe how did you end yeah. up doing what you currently love, which I think is CrossFit, and and maybe yeah. talk a little bit about how that shaped you as a coach?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, so I I had a very unique experience growing up, and and I the more I talk to women, the more I recognize how unique it was. But my mom was a group fitness instructor, uh, and so from a very young age, some of my earliest memories are going to the YMCA and being in the childcare and like looking through the window and like watching my mom teach fitness classes. Um, So from a very young age, like I going to the gym was like a natural part of my life because my mom went to the gym. And when I turned 14 at the YMCA, you have to be 14 to enter the weight room. So I remember when I turned 14, my mom's like, cool, like, come on, let's go to the weight room. And she like showed me the machines and showed me the dumbbells. And like, she showed me how to lift weights as a female at age 14. And and so I had the example from a very young age that like, hey, weights are not just for men. Weights just aren't just for like these big, you know, women who have these big muscles, like it's for everybody. And um, you know, that really I I give my mom so much credit for where I am today because without that experience, I don't know where I don't know where I would be. You know, maybe I would have found it later in life, but just growing up with the belief that like women belong in the weight, in the weight room is huge. And so I had that experience and um, you know, started lifting on and off and went through, through college and um, lifted during that time. And then I remember that, that post you were talking about of like, tell me you're frugal without tell me you're frugal. Um, th- th- and maybe some of your, your listeners will relate to this. When I had my first baby, um, I, was, I was postpartum and I was ready to get back into um, exercising. And before that, I, we were, my husband was in medical school. And so we could attend the gym at the medical school for free. But they didn't have childcare, and so once I had my baby, I like I couldn't go there anymore. And I, uh, my friend was like, "Come join." It was Gold's Gym. Come join this Gold's Gym. And I was like, "It is thirty dollars a month. I like I, I like couldn't handle like spending thirty dollars a month. I was like, I can't I can't even imagine spending that when we're in med school and we're in debt and it's like so expensive, and um. Somehow she was able to convince me that my sanity and my health and my like, uh, you know, me, I was worth $30 $30 a month. And uh, I started attending group fitness classes. And, you know, I don't think I've not, I think I've had a gym membership since that point on for the rest of the rest of the years. Um, But yeah, I started in group fitness and I love group fitness. Um, I taught group fitness for eight years. I taught Zumba and body pump and body combat and bar and CX works and all of the formats. And I got to this point where after eight years, I like looked back and I was like, my body looks exactly the same, (laughs) like nothing, nothing has changed. Like I would teach six group fitness classes a a week. And at the end of the day, it was like nothing changed on my body. And I started to realize that there were some other pieces that I was really missing. One being the nutrition piece. That's when I found macro counting and really was able to layer that nutrition piece in. But the second piece was recognizing that, you know, group fitness really lacked progressive overload and it lacked the ability to be able to actually create a stimulus enough for a muscle to be able to be developed from it. So I kind of realized that and I was like, huh, I wonder what would happen if I got my nutrition aligned with building muscle and my workout aligned with burning with building muscle. And I can't even tell you, I, I slowed down my group fitness. I picked up bodybuilding, like a bodybuilding style of training. And in the six months that I did that with my nutrition on board and, and my lifting on board, I like the amount of muscle that I built in six months, like. Blew my mind having been working at it for, I mean, I'd been lifting for so many years, I just hadn't really been doing it right. <laughs> and so, um, I got into bodybuilding. Never did a competition. That was never a goal of mine, but, um, wanted to build muscle and I I did like i built a lot of muscle on my frame and it was really exciting uh and then i got to the point where i was like and you can cut me off at any time do your thing (laughs) but um i got to the point where i was like okay cool i look really strong like i can flex like people would look at me like you look really strong she lifts but i wasn't really strong and so that was when i got into powerlifting i was like i want to actually be strong like i i don't want to just look strong like i want to actually be strong so I got into powerlifting, my husband and I hired a coach and we did powerlifting with a coach for about three years. Um, and I, I got strong, <laughs> my, my goal was a three oh 300 pound deadlift. And then I hit that at my, um, first powerlifting meet, did a 303 deadlift at 135 pounds. And that was like, it was so exciting to see the numbers go up and to be able to see that heavy squad and the heavy deadlift. And, um, I, I still remember. Remember when I first got 135? so I got the big boy plates on with my bench, right? Like these moments were so exciting. So I did powerlifting for three years and I loved it, but anybody who's done like real strength training knows that, I mean, it's kind of similar for anything. The gains initially are very quick. And then you get to a point where you're a more advanced lifter and to put five pounds on the bar takes months you know, if not years of like cycling training to like get your squat five pounds heavier or 10 pounds heavier. And it just got to the point where I missed working out with people come from a group fitness background, right? Like I missed working out with people. I didn't like lifting alone. I was having to put in a lot of effort to see not a lot of movement. And I just was kind of like, I feel like I've gotten strong enough. So now Now we're up to today. Now I'm like, okay, now I want to do something with that strength. What can I do now that I'm strong? And um, Heidi and Natalie, which are mutual friends of ours from Butter Your Macros, they had been doing CrossFit for about six months and they were like, come do CrossFit with us. And I kept telling them, no, 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 because I know if I go to CrossFit, I will like it. (laughs) <laughs> and I will have to quit and I will quit and I will quit powerlifting. And I wasn't quite ready to quit powerlifting. So once I finally got to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to quit powerlifting, I went to CrossFit and and I just loved it. And I think the reason is because I was able to use the strength that i had developed and do some stuff with it so now i could like take all that muscle and that strength that i had built and do handstand push-ups and do toes to bar and do more olympic lifting and like actually do it in like do fun crap like handstand walks and things like that and so yeah that's where i am today i've been doing crossfit for uh two and a half years and um i mean i don't know how long i'll do crossfit i've obviously jumped from thing to thing but that's a little bit about my my journey and where I've been.
0: Awesome. And I'm going to touch on a billion things that you just said. And I do want to hear about what you think is next for you in the long run, but, and just maybe how that relates to your personality from just loving, you know, seeing what you're capable of in different modalities, which is super cool. And I think that, uh, Mm -hmm. I want to circle back around to that, but we're going to start at the beginning with like just your mom introducing Mm -hmm. you to weights at such an early age, like insanely unique, like, uh, like a a shooting star, you know? Um, yeah. very, I mean, lucky is a weird word. Like you very, you're very grateful for it. I'm sure you are. Uh, totally. I, I'm curious, I'm curious, uh, you know, I think that there's a, there's a broad question of how do we rectify that across the large population and start to make it something that's normal for women, but just on a more, just on a more you individual level, does that, does that, or how does that, cause I'm sure it does affect like how you raise your kids and the words you use and the, what oh, you expose totally. them to. And like, you maybe talk a little bit about that.
1: Totally. And and I do want to relate this to anybody who's listening because I do recognize like most of you listening have not had the experience that I had. And so what I would say to that, especially if you're a mom, is that you can be that, that that link on the chain, right? So maybe you didn't have that experience, but you can be that for your kids. And um and so that definitely a lot of teaching our kids and for those who are parents listening out there, you know a lot of like teaching your kids has to do with them just Seeing you do things, right? It's like less about what you say and more about what you show them, and so that's been something that's been really important for my husband and I. I brought my kids to the gym. They came to the gym and uh, were in the childcare when I would taught classes. Uh, when my husband and I were powerlifting, they came to our powerlifting meets. They watched our lifting videos. We now are lucky enough to have a gym that we built in the back in our backyard. Our kids go out there, and we have a we have a 15 pound bar that like my my seven-year-old will tell you how much he can deadlift. Like, you know, like they see us go out into and do it and, and lift. And so it's just a very normal thing for them to see, including for my daughter. Um, and she, she it's very normal for her to like, want to get more pull-ups because that's what she sees me do. So I would say for anybody who's listening, who's like, that's a really awesome experience. Amber, I didn't have that experience. I would say now you have the opportunity to be that experience for your children. And it really is less about what you tell your kids and way more about what they see you prioritize and what they see you do on a consistent basis.
0: Yeah, I love that, and I think that it somebody has to begin tra- a tradition, right? Traditions yeah. begin somewhere, and so your mom might yeah. not have had somebody in her life, and she didn't. And she, yeah, so, yeah and she so, didn't. so so even if you are listening, like even if you didn't have that, you can still be that, and I think that that's su- a super powerful yeah. message. That uh, you know, I I don't know necessarily the, de- the demographic that you work with, but I just from uh, interacting on social media and having this like symbiotic relationship where we have this sort of circle of a lot of similar people, like a lot of people become that person later in life. Like it is literally never too late to yeah. pick up weight training and to feel competent and to feel confident and to pass that on. It is not too late for sure. Yeah, Yeah. never. Yeah. Um, I, okay, so I want to circle back to, okay, so you're doing group fitness. You're you're instructing group fitness. You've been doing it for a while and you're just kind of, at some point you look in the mirror and you're like, I look the fucking same. I and, look the same. But how, okay, so a lot of people are in this. And if you, you know, those of you guys who listen to the episode with Natalie and Heidi from Buddy Your is like we talked about a lot of these these exercise programs that are out there. Some of them are extremely popular that do not prioritize progressive overload that are okay. If you're looking to get in generally better shape and totally, but if you're looking to like visibly build muscle, don't actually, uh, are not set up to apply that level of stimulus and continuously do that over time. Like, how did you know to do something different? I feel like that's the question a lot of people ask. Like we preach a lot about this is the thing to do, but how did you know? Oh, it is. I'm missing progressive overload. You know?
1: Yeah. Well, so the first thing that hit me was nutrition and that's really where I got started and uh I, a part of my story I kind of left out that I'll I'll add in here was that um so bicep's after babies um started because I set a new year's resolution. My new year's resolution january of 2016 was to get a six pack um i never had a six pack before uh it seems like it was something that would be really cool it it required me to do something different than i had been doing so that's something i think it's really important to point out is that what got you here won't get you there so if what you've been doing has gotten you to this point and it, this point is where you don't want to be then you have to take a new You have to do something different moving forward. And so that was what it was for me. It was like, what's gotten to me this point has not gotten me a a six pack. I want to get a six pack. So I have to do something different moving forward. And so for me, that's when nutrition really, I was like, nutrition is the missing key for me. Like I I work out a ton, um, I have some muscle, uh, I just need to get my nutrition on board. And so when I found macro counting and was able to figure out how to align the food that I was eating and what I was putting in my body with the results that I wanted to get. And eight weeks later, I had a six pack. And, and it like it almost seemed like it was like crazy how I was like, how are people missing this? Like was this like the secret that I didn't know for so long and everything came together with, with macros. Um, and then once I got a six pack, then that was where I was like, okay, so I'm like skinny, right? <laughs> awesome. Now I'm like, let's get some muscle on this body. That was what like, I ended up getting to that point where I was like, I don't want to just stay skinny. I really, I really want to get muscle. And so, you know, I, you asked the question of like, how did I know that? Um, and I think I had just had enough experience. Um, I took, you know, weight training in, in college i had um you know read enough books uh, i do a lot of research oh i forgot i'm a nurse as well so i'm um, having had anatomy and physiology and just like that understanding of um the mechanics of the body that like the body's not going to build muscle unless you tell it to and there's a very specific way that you tell it to it's not just by like going to a group fitness class uh, and so at that point, um, we read uh, Bigger, Leaner, Stronger and Thinner, Leaner, Stronger by Mike Matthews, uh, which for us was like a really good introduction into progressive overload and what that even means. Uh, and we just started putting things together. And I'm a, I'm a type of person who like just dives into things and figures it out as I go along. And that's really what I did with building like my lifting programs.
0: Awesome. Excellent. And you've, you've said it's subtle, but you've said we a couple of times. And I, yeah. and I, and the, the second topic I want to discuss today is, uh, you know, what I want to discuss in general, the importance of having family support, but I want you to start with talking about, cause you've mentioned now we several times, you've mm-hmm. mentioned that you and your husband picked up, uh, powerlifting. you yeah. we guys were doing it together. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about how important that's been for, you know, not that you're not independent and you couldn't do any of the, yeah. of course not, but it's more of like a, a fun and a and a it it makes the whole the whole journey a bit more more fulfilling. Like I'd like you to talk a little bit about your yeah. specific family support, your spouse, maybe your friends, your circle, and then maybe as a coach, when you are working with somebody who expresses their that they're not feeling empowered, they don't have that circle where they're feeling understood. Like I always tell people, you know. It's, it's not so much that you need to have this circle and you'll, I want you to do most of the talking here, but I feel like uh, it's not so much that you need to have a circle of people that are like always propping you up and always got your back and always get it and do exactly what you do. And I think you and I both, for people who know me personally, they know that I have that, you know, in a, in a, in a girlfriend, in a, in a partner there. And so, um, like you just need somebody who at least lets you do you a circle of people who lets you do you without judgment or a personality that doesn't give a shit anyway, or some combination of that. So anyway, a lot of word vomit. I'd love to hear from you.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting, Jordan. I I do say we, but it has not always been that case. So um, my husband was 35 before he ever, like, touched a weight. Um, so I lifted and worked out for a very long time in our marriage by myself. And a lot of it had to do with my, I mentioned my husband was in medical school. So my husband, um, got his undergrad. He spent four years at medical school. He spent four years in residency. Yeah, you didn't see he him for a decade. Three years yeah three years in fellowship, like like it was a long road to get to where he is now as a physician. And so, you know, honestly during med school and residency like the amount of hours that he was dedicating to that was just a ton, he didn't have time for other stuff. So, um, you know, I didn't have somebody that whole time who was prioritizing health or fitness or nutrition or any of those things. He was just trying to survive medical training. Um, and once he finally got into, um, fellowship where he had more time was finally when he was like okay I feel like I finally have I feel like I finally have the space and like brain energy and just emotional physical energy that I can do this and so that was when I started doing bodybuilding he was like okay I'm gonna come to the gym with you however this is funny he didn't want me to train him so he had he had a guy friend who could tell him what to do because heaven forbid, like I tried to tell him how to squat. Like that was not going to work well for our relationship. So he had a guy friend who kind of taught him the ropes. And since then he did powerlifting with me. He stuck with powerlifting for about two years longer than I did. And I actually just got him to CrossFit about three months over ago. So now he's doing CrossFit with me. Oh, yeah, over to the dark. dark side, side, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, literally, if you had talked to him five years, there is no way in, in, like any realm of the universe that he would have ever done CrossFit. He just thought it was the dumbest thing ever, but he's really enjoying it. So, um, you know, that's been my experience. I've experienced doing it alone and really not having anybody who was doing it alongside of me in terms of like a spouse. And then I've been to the, to the place where now it's really fun because it's it's our hobby. Like it's the hobby that we do together. Um, we go to CrossFit every morning. When we were powerlifting, we would go out in the gym and we would lift together. Um, and it's something that, that I love to be able to do with somebody. If you don't have that support, and if your spouse is not is not that person for you, I would agree, I agree, Jordan. I think um, finding those people who who can be those people for you, even if it's only online, um, is so incredibly valuable. A group of people who normalizes the goals that you're trying to achieve, and I think that's really the key. Is like if you get into a, a group where the goal is totally normalized, and it's like, yeah. Of course you can achieve that. Of course you can get that. Of course we're gonna support you. There's an incredible power associated with that. And with the realm of the internet, like there's no excuse for not finding those people, whether it is listening to podcasts like this, Um, right. I have so many people tell me, they're like, I listen to your podcast and I feel like we're like BFFs. Like, (laughs) like if you saw me in the street, like you wouldn't know me from anybody, but I feel like I know you. Um, so listening to podcasts, finding communities, finding people online that you can, that you, that can normalize. That experience, I think is really valuable. Even if you don't have anybody in your quote unquote real life who has that. I think, um, there's no excuse for not finding that community somewhere online. And I think when you find that community it's, it's valuable. You've heard it said you are the combination of the five people you spend the most time around. Um, and I truly believe that by normalizing the things that you want to achieve, you are so much closer to actually achieving them.
0: Yeah. I love that because I think that there, I think that uh, two things while you were just before I was answering the question, my own head, what would I have said? But there's, you you know, there's a personal responsibility of knowing in your heart that this is the thing you want to do and it's what's best for you. And that there, you know, I'm going to do this because I, you know, this is important to me for reasons X, Y, and Z. But I also think it is difficult when you don't have that circle. And then I think, okay, it's difficult. I don't have the circle. I know it's important for me to kind of have a bit of like, like, uh, you know, screw it. I'm going to do it for myself anyway, mentality, but there's also like seek it out. It's out there. It's 2021. There's group coaching, there's group fitness, there's group, first of all, there's group fitness is CrossFit where you can actually seek it out in the physical nature where you had said, Hey, I was really, I really do enjoy being around other people and lifting with other people. I, I totally get that. Um, you know, you know, you're not going to maybe go on Craigslist and find a workout buddy, but you can find people out there that normalize your goals and your lifestyle, the way you view the world, the way you view trade-offs, the way you're, you know, the 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 uh where you place your fitness, your nutrition, your this sort of lifestyle on the hierarchy of importance. Like there are other people like you. You're not weird. You're not like just because you want to do you have certain physical goals, performance goals, aesthetic goals, whatever. Like there are people out there just like you, and you can seek them out, find them. I feel like. I feel like some people hire a coach for that sort of validation, that sort of feeling of like, even if you're doing it, going it alone, you talk to your coach, even via email. A lot of my, you know, we do, I do a lot of zoom. Like I know some of my clients don't have that very close person that they do things with that gives them that constant feeling of normalizing what they're after. And I, I, I like that, the idea of being able to be that as a coach, but I also think that it's important to, you know, to kind of push them to also seek it out in terms of, you know, I don't, it's tough to sometimes have conversations with friends who don't understand. I think that that's something I've come across a lot. It's like my friend is doing keto, my friend is doing this, my friend is fasting my friend is you know uh, you know doing this boot camp class for for whatever and and I think it's important to arm your clients with the understanding of why they're doing what they're doing so they can kind of fend off some of you know what might be nonsense and maybe bring some people in on what they're doing. How, be able to explain to your spouse, why you're tracking your protein, be able to explain to your spouse why lifting is important to you. And like you said, you you had a you had somebody with you who didn't lift, you know, maybe he would have always liked to lift, but it just wasn't plausible. And at some point, like he saw you doing it, right? And it was a similar thing with you and your children where it's like, okay, this is what Amber does. I love Amber. We're going to spend time together. And this is probably something that's also good for my health. And so if you be the person and do it with like a, a proud uh, mentality of like, I know this is good, like you might be able to influence those around you.
1: And, and I think for, especially the women listening, cause I get this question so many times, if my husband isn't interested in nutrition, he's not interested in counting macros. He's not interested in lifting. He's not interested in any of those things. How do I get him interested in it? And my answer to that is exactly what you said is that you just be the example. Um, my husband wasn't interested in macro counting either until I like did it and showed him, oh my gosh, this actually works. And he saw the results and then he got on board. And I've had so many clients who have come to me with that same ex- experience where they, the husband was like, "Yeah, poo, 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 whatever. That's dumb." And then they see the they see the change that it it has in her, and then they're like, "Oh, huh? Maybe I should try this thing." And and they get on board. You can't force anybody to get on board with you. Uh, you can just be the example of what's possible because we we cannot model what we can't see, and that's coming. You know, wrapping back to the question around the community, like. We need to see other people kind of show us what's possible a lot of times. And when we can see it in somebody else, we can actually start to believe it in ourselves that, okay, well, it's possible for Amber to be able to get a six pack after she had four kids. Maybe it could be possible for me. And that's just even believing it's possible is the first step to making it a reality. And
0: and, and there's just the, like, women are just like, women are just like superior beings in the sense of like, men are just terrible at asking for help and terrible for like admitting that they might like not know something and so just like always drag their feet it's like uh i've had multiple like couple clients who have come to me like a woman who comes to me first like like hey i need help with this i don't know how to do it like totally upfront of like i need help i don't know how to do this it's important yeah. and then the husband's like yeah. watching from afar like six weeks later is like hmm, okay i guess there's something here it's like women are just superior beings from a being able to like be confident enough to openly ask for help to get like something that they want and so i, I think that whatever i always find that fascinating <laughs> like
1: yeah, yeah yeah totally agree
0: yeah yeah Uh, I wanted to ask a bit, a question that I tend, I've been asking a lot of people lately. And the truth is I always scope out whoever's coming on my podcast. I I'll scroll through your content all the way back to the first awkward posts that you made that we've all made. We're like, well, we don't even know what we were doing at that point. Like, and it seems like everything you do, you do really well. And it doesn't seem like, and I, I don't mean that in a, in a, in a weird way, I mean, like, you literally crush it. And that's where, like, when we were talking about the relatability of your content, it's also aspirational because it's like you're doing big things. You are you were at CrossFit uh, quarterfinals, semifinals, or whatever in your region. You were doing amazing. It sounds like you've su- succeeded at powerlifting quite a bit. Like, you seem like you have your ducks in a row. Like, is there anything that you struggle with or something that you feel like uh, might be under the hood, something that you deal with in terms of managing all of those balls, juggling at the same air? Is there, is there something... Out there that you feel like you struggle with that you might want to talk about.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, and, and thank you first of all. That was really nice of you to say. Um, I I love setting goals and I love achieving goals. I think that's that's like a it's like a drug for me. So that's definitely my personality. I'm a Type Three Enneagram and that's very much the achiever personality. Um, but I would say you know it's been interesting over. Over the last, you know, five years, as I've grown my coaching business, as I've dived, in, d- uh, dived into coaching and learning about that, and and learning about how to take how I kind of see the world and um and give that or relate that to other people and allow them to kind of have shifts in perspectives, um, shifts in understanding, shifts in knowledge to be able to get to where they want to go, and one of the biggest shifts um, that has been for for me personally, that I share with a lot of my clients is, is uh, reframing failure and reframing struggle. So I always say failure doesn't exist. You either get the result that you wanted or the lesson that you needed. And both of those are valuable. And so we can look at it and we say, no, it's not a failure. It's a lesson. And like, I needed that lesson in order to get to where I want to go. And I look at it the same thing as like with the, with even the word struggle is like, I don't see anything as the struggle. I see it as an opportunity. Um, and like it may seem just like oh well you're just like mincing words but to me when you reframe something from a struggle to an opportunity it's like it's an opportunity for growth for progression and and to be able to um eventually get where where you want to go because everything we want is on the other side of growth (laughs) so i would say the thing that like If I was going to say, you know, what have have I found as like the biggest opportunity for me or the thing where I have to like put some attention, I think it would be like many women and especially moms is figuring out priorities and being really intentional about prioritization because, and you can tell me if you feel this from a male perspective, but I will tell you from a female's perspective, as a mom, as a wife as a business owner, as you know, someone who has my own goals and aspirations, um, it can feel like I'm pulled in a thousand different directions and like everything is requiring my full attention. Like I need to give a hundred percent to my kids. I need to give a hundred percent to my husband. I need to give a hundred percent to my business. I need to give a hundred percent to CrossFit. Like, and you just, you can't like physically, you, you're not able to do that. And so, what I have had to be very intentional about is is saying what is really important to me right now, and aligning my actions with that prioritization. And I'll and I'll give you a really clear example of that. Is like right now, um, my business is is exploding. Um, we're doing really well. It's really exciting. We're helping a lot of women. Um, my team is growing and a lot of my energy is being put towards my business, which has meant that I have I have chosen to prioritize that over um, getting a six pack or over like really like honing in my nutrition or really pushing hard at the gym uh, because that's not my priority. Now I still go to the gym. I still show up. I still eat fairly healthy. Like I still do kind of things on autopilot but it's not my priority. If it was my priority, I would I would do more for it. And I don't because I choose not to because I'm prioritizing other things in my life. And so what I, what I want women, especially who are listening to this to recognize is that not everything can be a priority and that you are in charge of choosing what is a priority and that gets to be a choice. Nothing should be a priority. If you're saying this should be a priority, that's like a hard stop right there um, nothing should be a priority. It's what do you want to be a priority? What are you choosing to be a priority? And are you aligning your actions with what you say is a priority? Because we say things are priorities, but then we don't actually make them priorities. Um, so I think that's been, you know, the biggest, and, and I think the reason it's the biggest struggle is because it changes like it, it, it's, it's fluid. Do you have kids? Do you have kids? I don't have kids okay well anybody who has kids will know that once you when you have a baby once you figure out your baby's sleep schedule they grow out of it like it changes it's like i figured out like how to how to do naps and like i got this nap schedule and then they get older and it's like the nap schedule changes like i felt like that you're always just trying to play catch up with your child's nap schedule and i feel like it's the same thing with life is like my life is different now with four kids who are in school than it was when my kids were little. It's different now when I have a business than when I didn't have a business. It's different now when my husband's not in medical school. It's It changes. And so I just, I have to be really intentional about saying, what is my priority right now? And I've had that conversation with myself a couple of times over the last couple of months, because you scroll through Instagram and you're like, oh, that's really cool. It would be really cool to be able to get a 300 pound deadlift again. And then I have to check myself and say, you know what? I, it's not a priority right now. Like I'm not, I'm not willing to invest what it would take to get there right now because other things are a priority.
0: Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of like people's analogies over the years. You know, put your oxygen mask on first. And then there's the, there yeah. was the analogy of like, I forgot who said it, somebody famous who's the analogy is like, OK, your life is like juggling a whole bunch of balls at the same time. But you have to know which one of them is, are rubber and which one of them are glass. And yeah. sometimes it changes. Like you said, it's fluid. Yep. Um, and something that I heard as a common thread through a lot of what you what you said is, this, uh, somewhat of personal responsibility slash autonomy, like a recognition that you are in charge and that, you know, two recognitions, one, you are in charge of what's important and two, not everything can be important at the same time, all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. and something that I really hope that my coaching and and this podcast and a lot of our content gets to people is that personal responsibility should be empowering, not disheartening the idea that you actually have a lot of control. Yeah. It's a burden. There's some pressure now you got to do, you got to act but you also get to act. It's not that I now have, like, you know, we don't need to get into the how much of obesity is per- is personal responsibility. There's obviously personal responsibility component to a lot, everything we do, you know, in differing variety, uh, variety of, of amounts. But p- personal responsibility is empowering. Like, you know, recognizing that you have the power. Like, yeah, there's a little pressure now that you actually have to act. It's not, you know, out in the world, just going to happen no matter what. But it should be empowering, not disheartening. You should find out, oh, I'm the one who gets to decide what my, my value hierarchy, my value, value structure of life, my priority list looks like, like I get to do that. I get to decide. And my, the, my, the outcomes will be, you know, 100% reflective of what that looks like.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So good. And, and, you know, it really comes down to, um, when you, when you are in control and when you are responsible for the creating the things in your life, that, like once you take on that responsibility now you have the power to change things because when it's all about everything that's outside of your ex your control right this is where excuses come up it's this person's fault it's my genetics fault it's my age it's my gender it's my whatever those are all with outside of your control and you can't do anything about those things and so when you can take back that power like take it back from your age take it back from your history take it back from your past um and And really come back to like, it's me, like it's my personal responsibility. Now you step into the place of being able to change it. If it's all everybody else's fault and all everybody else's things, you can't do anything about it, but when it's your, when it's your choice now that now you have the power to actually change those things.
0: Yeah. Agreed. And I want to, the one thing I want to do, and I want to close up, I want to hear a little bit about your macros one-on-one program and have you plug a whole bunch of crap, but there's, there's a, a lot of this, there's a, a sentiment out there of like, we all have the same 24 hours in a day and it. It, th- what I will say is like a lot of personal responsibility needs to be curtailed with this acknowledgement that we do all have a different life. And yes, we all have the same 24 yeah. hours in a day. But after that, we all have a really fucking different 24 hours. And so it Holy. isn't, you know, comparing yourself, your chapter one to somebody else's chapter eight when the two books are in different fucking languages. And it's like everyone does have different lives. But at the end of the day, there is always some you know, some amount of of personal responsibility. It's usually bigger than you think it would be. Um, So yeah, yeah, we all have the same 24 hours, but... Yeah, our lives are very different. And the, the difference between your 24 hours when you're running a business and you have four kids and you're in school and you try and get the nap schedule and my 24 hours when, and I just made a podcast about my cutting phase and why it has been relatively easy and why you shouldn't compare yourself to me because my life's a joke compared to your life, literally your life. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. I think it's important.
0: So there's, there's like, okay, I have a certain level of responsibility, but there's also some level of like, let's be real and and, and understand what are my limitations? What are my you know life non-negotiables that can't be moved?
1: yeah well i think about it with like in terms of my children so i have a child who is um not super good at math and um she has to put a lot of effort into into math and so um she is successful when like she puts that effort in and she gets to be on a test. Like that's, that's a big deal. And we celebrate that. And like, that's her personal best. And it's different with my son who is like a math genius and he just gets it. And it's super easy, right? If he got a B, I would kind of be like, what are you doing, dude? Like you didn't, you didn't step up to your full potential. And I think it's the same way as like, yes, we have the same 24 hours, but our goals and like, what is, what we have to fit into those 24 hours is different. And so that's why it's always you against you, right? It's, it's, it's you against like who are you today and who do you want to be tomorrow? And I don't care who, what Jordan's doing. I don't care what Amber's doing. It has nothing to do with you. It's about how can you in your life continue progressing? Not because you need to have a six pack or you need to like start a business or whatever, but it's like, what's the next step for me? And how can I keep that progression and that growth moving in my life?
0: Yep. Awesome. Excellent. We're going to we're gonna close it down there. Please tell me about Macros 101. Please tell everybody a little bit about what you do. If they don't, if they've been living under a rock and they don't know who you are already, plug some shit and we'll let you get out of here
1: awesome cool yeah so um if you're wanting to con- further connect with me i really highly suggest coming over and and you know adding my podcast to your listen every week um i record a p- episode every week for biceps after baby's radio and um that's probably my favorite my favorite platform um i'm also on instagram and facebook and my signature program you know what jordan was referring to is macros 101 and um, the key with macros 101 is I help women to come from this place of like dieting and feeling like there's restriction and, um, it has to look a certain way and there's certain rules and help them realize that they're more in control than they thought. And that it's really comes down to them building a customized plan rather than plugging yourself into a diet and following somebody else's rules. What would happen if you created your own structure and your own framework, that's going to work for your body. So we really help women to be able to, what we say, come, become a macro scientist, in their own journey, and be able to figure out a customized plan that fits their lifestyle, fits their goals, fits their body, and works because we want it to work, but is also an enjoyable, um, is enjoyable experience. So that's what I do: is I help create macro scientists, and um, it's you know something I love. So if that interests you, come over and and hang out on my podcast and Instagram.
0: That's awesome, Amber. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Jordan. Have a good one.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at JordanLipsFitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.